So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Psalm chapter 22. And I'm just going to begin by reading one verse of Scripture, Psalm 22, verse 3. The Bible says, But you are holy, but you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. Come on, can you say that with me? But you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. I want to talk about why you and I were created and why we are here. Because you know a lot of people I think get, um, this, is, this, is, this is like one of the number one questions to ask about life, right? Why am I here? Why have I been placed on this earth? Why have I been given this time here? What am I supposed to be doing? It's like we're looking for the owner's manual. You know, unfortunately we weren't, well maybe fortunately, we were not born with an owner's manual. Right? Like, like here's the, the owner's manual to the human person and turn, your, your job's on page 43. You know, we didn't get that, so we have to work through, and thank God we have scripture and the Holy Spirit tradition of the church to help us, amen? But I'm going to give you one clue as to why you're here, or one key as to why you're here, and that is you're here to worship God. You were created to worship God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, which was a document written in the 1700s, begins with the, this question and answer. The chief, what is the chief end of man? What is the goal of man? What is the chief end of man? And the response is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You were placed on this earth to glorify the Lord. You were built and designed. You know, when someone builds something, they, uh, there's a design, I hope, behind everything that's built. Uh, unless it's modern art, I can't get that. There's even a purpose to that, I guess. But if, you're, if something is manufactured and built, there's a purpose behind it, right? I told the early church, I said I had a, 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 one of my daughters. I'll leave nameless which one it was. But we had a certain kitchen utensil, Okay. And we used it to bust up ice. And she got married and found out that that's actually a meat tenderizer. That's what that is. I said, I knew that, but we used it to break up ice. So, you know, we don't tenderize meat around here. We just eat it like it is. Uh, yeah. So, so, so in high school, you know, I owned a Trans Am. I'm, I'm talking a Trans Am with a five-liter IROC engine in it. That's a real Trans Am, right? And a bird on the hood. Yeah, that's not the Burt Reynolds, but it's a little bit later than that. It's, it's better than Burt Reynolds' car, right? So anyhow, uh, this thing, man, could run. I mean, it just like it was built to run. And so when I would drive through my hometown, you know, you have to do 35 miles per hour. And it's like this car is just like, <laughs> please do something greater than this, man. It's just like it's designed to do something more. And it's like, so uh, I, uh, a few months ago, I, had a, I went to a certain city and I had a uh, rental car uh, waiting on me. I got on an Avis app, and I just said, give me a rental car, pick it up this time, blah, blah, blah. And usually when you're renting cars, you have to, like, work for a decent car. 
you know, that you're not in uh, Fred Flintstone's mobile. But anyhow, so when I got there, I didn't know what they were going to give me. And lo and behold, I walked into the garage and looked at the, the, the lot number where I was supposed to go. And I walked up to a candy apple red Dodge Challenger with a Hemi. I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. And so I got in it. And uh, I was taking pictures of it. and But that car, man, as soon as you got it out on the highway, I like, as soon as I made the first turn, it's like, I'm like, yes, sir. This is what a car is supposed to be like right here, man. It designed for, built for speed. <laughs> what were you built to do? Why did God design you? What are you built to do? I can give you one clue. You're built to worship the Lord. You say, yeah, but that's not me. I'm a reserve guy. Well, I am too, I think. Well, I'm an introvert. Well, I'm an introvert on the Myers-Briggs too. Well, I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't either. You can still praise the Lord. You were created to praise Him. And praising God and worshiping Him is more than just singing songs in church. It, it goes into your entire lifestyle. We should live a lifestyle of worship. Because when you live a lifestyle of worship, it honors God. You want to honor God in all areas of your life. In whatever you're called to do, whatever your vocation is, if you're in school, if you're a teacher, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a farmer, if you're a brick mason, whatever you're called to do, you should glorify God in that calling. You know, think about the early pilgrims and Puritans when they were... They had this concept of, of, of everything is to be for his glory. And so when they would build a building, it was to the glory of God. When they would uh, plow a field, it was to the glory of God. When they would cook supper, it was to the glory of God. When they would raise kids, it was to the glory of God. Think about Johann Sebastian Bach who would write. You know, he was a writer for church. He wrote music for church. And think about that kind of church music, right? Baroque classical music. But when he would write his pieces, at the bottom of each score, he would put soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. Amen. Even some of the painters, you know, in the uh, history, European history, some of the Christian painters wouldn't sign their works because it's all for God's glory. It's concept that everything we do is for his glory. If we lived like that, it would change our lives. If we lived like we were doing everything to the glory of God, it would change the way we treat people, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we go about life, what we think about doing. Because you know what? You're going to worship something. You're going to worship something. You're going to give attention and adoration to something in life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that the problem with humanity was we knew there was a God because you can realize there is a God by just walking outside and looking up. I think it was Abraham Lincoln said, if you don't believe in God, walk outside and look up and figure that out. Look at the stars at night. You know, God, there has to be an intelligent design behind everything we see and just look at us. There has to be an intelligent design behind this piece of manufacturing. There has to be some kind of something smarter and it wasn't aliens. Sorry to bust your bubble. So Paul said, but men stopped worshiping God as the creator and they started worshiping created things. They started worshiping images. And then God gave them over to a reprobate mind to obey the lust thereof. And then, then, then they went on this downward spiral of 
perversion and sin, and it just it's gotten to where we are in 2022. Yeah. Where now right is wrong and wrong is right, and there's a total confusion yeah. as to who we are and what we should be and what we're designed to be. It's a total confusion. That's the result of not having the proper form of worship and not having the per proper person you are worshiping. You were created to worship the Lord. There's a space in your heart that only God can fill. You can't fill it with alcohol or drugs or illicit relationships or pursuits or money. or There's nothing else that can fill that void in your heart but God alone. And it has to be the God that created you, not a foreign deity or a false God or a, a legend or a myth. It has to be the living God who created you. He knows you better than anyone. He designed you and he made, he made the owner's manual for you. He knows everything about you. Come on, somebody. So I'm going to give you three reasons why you should worship God. First of all, the old English word worship comes from worthship. That uh, if you look at like a, a regal uh, royalty or a king or queen, they were worthy of honor because of who they were. There was a worthship. And so that's where our word comes from. Worship comes from we are giving glory to one who is do it. So why should you worship God? Because he's do it. Because he's do it. He's, he, he deserves it. And you may think, yeah, but isn't that weird? Why would, if I were God, I wouldn't want people to fall down and worship me. Well, first of all, you're not God. <laughs> Secondly of all, you are a fallen creature, and you don't have the perfections that God has completely. And so when God asks people to worship Him, it's not because He has pride. He has no pride. It's not because He's self-serving. There's none of that in Him. He's completely perfect in all of His ways. So the highest form of love and adoration we can give Him is worship. And when we do that, we attain the highest level of what we were created to be, and I dare say, we become the most happy. We become the most happy when we are doing what we were most created to do. That's good preaching. Somebody should be recording this right now. I felt just like unhinged all day. Is that all right? Yes. Come on, you should worship him because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of respect. Respect. I guarantee you if we, back in the day, if we could have a pickup game on the outer courts, basketball court back there, and Michael Jordan showed up, and he came out on the court with us, I'm not going to tell the team, hey, make sure you pass to me the whole game. He doesn't need the ball. I'm going to give that man the, if he walks on the court, he's the man, all right? He's going to have the honor. Okay, so you remember Steve Kerr, who was the uh, guy that did all the outside shooting for uh, the Chicago Bulls back in the day? He was, he was this little white guy that sat outside, stood outside and shot the eyes out of the basket. And someone asked him one day, they said, how did you do so well and just all that dynamic you had? He said, this is how I did well. Michael Jordan's coming down court and there's three men on him. And he's working like crazy to get down court. And when he does, he passes you the ball. Now you better make that shot. So he said, I made sure I made those shots. Okay, that's, that's honor. Honor, respect, worship. What if God walked in this morning? 
What if he walked in in physical form? There wouldn't be a one of us sitting here or standing here. I guarantee you we'd be on our face before the worthship, the worthiness, the all, the weight, the glory of God. Hallelujah. The term glory means a weightiness. You know, it's the Hebrew word chavod, which is also used of the human liver because it's a weighty. Uh, you know, when the hippies used to say, that's heavy, man. They were on to something. It's, it's weighty. It's heavy. When God comes in, there's a presence that comes in. And there's respect and honor that is due Him. And if you're not worshiping Him now, you're going to worship Him one day. Because the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He is Lord to the glory of the Father. So if you don't get it right here, you're going to get it right somewhere down the line. I don't want to show up at heaven and be in... Okay, so there was this guy who had this uh, out-of-body experience, you know, this near-death experience. And so we don't quote those like Scripture, so don't take it like that. But I remember hearing this guy's testimony. He had a near-death experience, and he was a Christian, and he went to the gates of heaven, and outside the gates of heaven, angels had a class going on teaching people how to worship <laughs> before they made it through the gate. I don't whether that's true or not, I don't know. But all I know is I don't want to show up at the gates and have to go to 101 <laughs> worship class before I can enter in. I want to walk in with a master's and PhD and some experience behind my belt and say, yeah, let me do this. This is what I've been living my life for. Hallelujah. It's what I've been doing every week of my life. I've been giving him praise. Now I'm not going to have to take a break. I can just do it all the time. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody give him a shout. Hallelujah. <laughs> he is worthy of all our praise. Oh, I feel good today. Wow. There's something in Revelation that I've preached on in years past that, that's absolutely amazing. When John has the vision of the throne room in heaven, then he sees all of those who are the seraphim and they're flying over and they're crying out uh, with a loud voice and they're worshiping God. And it says that ev let everything praise Him in heaven and in earth and beneath the earth. I thought, who's that? Let them praise Him in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth. In other words, everything's going to praise Him. It's just the knowledge of His glory. His glory is everywhere, but the knowledge of His glory isn't everywhere. But there's coming a day, according to the Old Testament, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine that day when we live and everybody has an understanding, maybe it's in the millennial kingdom, but everyone has an understanding of the presence of God? Remember stories of the first great awakening when they said in the, what's now the New England states that you could walk from shop to shop and house to house and people were praising the Lord and talking about the glory of God. Because a great majority of the colonists got saved in the first great awakening. Can you do it again, Lord? Yes, you can. Come on, say he's worthy of it. Psalm 29, 2. Give unto the Lord the glory that is due his name and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Give unto the Lord the glory that is due his name. In Daniel chapter 5, there's this story of the king Belshazzar. 
and Belshazzar has a great feast and he's partying and he's even using the, 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 the cups and stuff from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And God shows up at the feast and writes on the wall. A hand is writing and no one knows where it's coming from. But it's this mysterious thing and God speaks and says, but you, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. You have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. They've brought the vessels of his house before you and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, wood, and iron which do not see or hear or know and the God who holds your breath in his hands and owns all your ways you have not glorified. What was the judgment on Belshazzar? He didn't worship and give the God his due honor and glory, but instead he worshiped all of the natural things. That ain't none of us doing that today, huh? So there's a lot of gods in this world. And, and just make sure you're worshiping the God of heaven. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Well, I could go off here, but I'm not going to. It'll be good. Second reason you should worship God, and I've already mentioned it, is that is you were created to do it. You were formed and fashioned to worship Him. Psalm or Isaiah 43, 21 rather. This people that I formed for myself, they shall declare my praise, He told Israel. These people I formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. God wants us to give Him praise. Give Him the honor that is due His name. Oh, hallelujah. Well, you know, maybe some of you are in here and you're struggling with like you just feel out of place in life. Like this is not right. There's more to life. I should be doing something more. There's a deeper purpose to my life. Well, begin here. Go back to like point A and begin here and get this relationship with Jesus right. Get it right and then step into learning how to worship learning how to pray, learning how to read your Bible, learning how to live in Christian community with people. And when you do that, God's going to start adding and adding and adding to your life more and more of His revelation His understanding you're going to get, and you're going to be blessed more and more and more, but you can't pass the starting point up. You have to begin there. Can somebody say amen? amen. I remember when I was born again, I wasn't raised in church, but after I received the Lord, I didn't know everything, obviously don't know now, but I would ride around town and I thought, you know, I do know why I exist now. I exist because God created me, serving Him. Okay, check that box. Now God can do something with your life. When you get to that, God can do something now with your life. You should worship Him because He's doing it, and you should worship Him because you're created to do it. And one other thing I want to do here, and I really want to, want to dwell here, and that is you should worship Him because worship is where He comes and dwells in. Yeah, He lives in our hearts, but when you begin to worship, something shifts and God comes and dwells in your worship. I began with Psalm 22, verse 3. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And that term enthroned in Hebrew is this yashav, which means to come and sit down in. To come and abide in, sit down in, or dwell in. So why did God command Israel to worship Him? What's the first thing they did when they left Egypt? When God took them out of Egyptian slavery, He could have taken them in a matter of a few days up to the promised land. Thank you very much. 
But he knew they weren't ready for the promised land. He had to rework their mindset, I think, and get Egypt out of them. Get that, that mindset out of them. And then he took them really kind of in an opposite direction to the heart of the desert and there took Moses up on a mountain and gave Moses the law and the structure of tabernacle worship. He said, here's how you're going to worship me. If you're going to be my people, you're going to have to learn how to worship. And then they would set that tabernacle where the glory of God dwelt. They would set that tabernacle in the center of their camp. It was representing it would be the center of their life. And when they moved, they wouldn't move until the glory moved. Showing us also for our lives. God must be the center. The worship must be the center. We move only when we see Him move and only when He tells us to go forward. And this was exactly the model that God was giving them. First, you must learn how to worship and get the slave mentality out of your life and get Egypt out of your heart. And now you can enter into the promised land. Because you can't enter into the promised land if you don't know how to worship Him. You're going to get over there and you're going to get carried away by foreign gods and foreign people as they did. But God knew it was going to be a problem. They had to learn to worship Him. And that's where He dwelt. He dwelt over the tabernacle on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. So God dwells in our worship. Okay, I can't add. When I worship God, I can't add to Him. I can't make Him more holy than He is. I can't make Him less holy than He is. I can't make Him more righteous than He is. I can't take away from His righteousness. I can't add peace to Him or take away peace. He is God and He always has been and always will be. But when I worship, I can do a few things. Number one, I can magnify Him. What does that mean? It means I make Him bigger. When I magnify Him, it makes Him bigger in my life. Number two, when I glorify and magnify Him, I open a door so that heaven can come and sit down with me. I open a portal, so to speak, to the kingdom of God and I fulfill the prayer of Jesus. Let your kingdom come your will be done as on earth or as in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Hooked on phonics is working great. On earth as it is in heaven, right? So I open a portal and God comes and rushes in and sits down with me. Oh, hallelujah. I should worship Him because God dwells in it. And so everything of the kingdom, all the blessings of the kingdom, and all that He wants to bring, peace to my life and wholeness to my life and, and freedom to my life and set me on fire and give me revelation and open doors for me, all that happens when I open the door to His presence and ask Him to come in. Oh, hallelujah. Can somebody shout hallelujah? There's a verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 many of you are going to know. It says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Come on, say it with me. For everything, for everything. Give, thanks. give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It doesn't say give thanks for everything, but we can give thanks in everything. If everything goes wrong, I don't, I'm, God, I thank you everything went wrong. And I'm not going to do that, but I can thank Him in the midst of everything going wrong. So let me, let me just phrase it a different way. 
in everything, give thanks, and Lord, feel, I'm going to feel the situation with your presence when I do that. So when we praise Him and thank Him and worship Him, we actually feel the, the situation we're in with His presence. Because you got to think about thanksgiving, praise, and worship are all part of the same genre of things we're giving back to God out of our heart. You know, it says enter His courts with, enter His gates with, Thanksgiving. So we enter His gates with thanksgiving, go on in with praise. And I don't know, some people like to divvy these up, and I used to do that a lot in my preaching, but I don't know. I, they are different terms, but I just know I want to give Him praise, I want to give Him thanksgiving, and I want to worship Him. All that. They're all different words, but I want all that. Because when I come, I can thank Him, right? Matter of fact, we should enter His gates with thanksgiving. God, I thank You I'm here today. I thank You I can worship today. I thank You for being... A Christian, I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I thank you for the presence of the Lord. And then maybe some of that kind of goes to the background. And then I start to say, Lord, now I praise you for who you are. God, I thank you for who you are. And I enter on into praise and worship. Ruth Heflin used to say, praise until the spirit of worship comes and worship until the glory comes. And when the glory comes, stand in the glory. Oh, how praise until the spirit of worship comes. Worship until the glory comes. When the glory comes, stand in the glory. So everything could be going wrong for you. Let's just play this out. Every, let's, let's, say, let's say my car breaks down. I could get out and I could get ticked off. I could go find the biggest rock, throw it right through the front windshield. Because this car is an idiot. And it failed me. Some golfers operate like this, actually. They play golf and they break clubs and throw them away. And I was playing with a guy one time who said he knew a guy. He said at the end of 18, he just saw him take his golf club and throw it right in the pond, right at the 18th green. <laughs> Left and he came back. And he said, oh, he's coming back for it. And he waded into the pond. He said, I just forgot my keys. So he, zipped, he opened up the zipper. You could operate like that. That's, that's what a two-year-old might do. Or you could operate like a saint of God. And you could say, well, my car is broke down. Hallelujah. God, I give you praise. Hallelujah. Now I ask that you send somebody by my way to give me a ride home, Lord. God, I ask you to provide money so I can get this battery fixed, Lord. I ask you to give me a man that's got some knowledge on working on this to come by my house today, Lord. And you start, you put on a different set of lenses when you open up the situation to the presence of God. Or you could play 18 and score 150 and say, Lord, I thank you, Jesus. It was a beautiful day. And God, we had a great time. And if this isn't life or death, it's just golf. And if I score a 65, which I've never done, or I score 165, which I've probably done, I'm going to give you praise in between all of it. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Or if I go fishing and that big one gets away, but that's never happened to y'all, I know. I'm going to give him praise anyhow. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to praise him in the good and praise him in the bad. I was created to praise him. I'm going to praise him through the storm. I'm going to praise him on the mountain and I'm going to praise him in the valley. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise him when I get a good doctor's report. I'm going to praise him when I get a bad doctor's report. I'm going to praise him when my bank account's full. I'm going to praise him when I'm on my last dime trying to pay bills. I'm going to praise him when it rains. I'm going to praise him when it snows. Hallelujah. Why? Because I was created to do that and I'm going to give him praise all my life. Come on, somebody. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to praise him when people respond to the gospel. I'm going to praise him if they don't respond to the gospel. I'm going to be instant in season and out of season and reprove and rebuke with all long suffering. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Give him a praise in here this morning. I dare you to just give him a wave and say, Lord, I thank you. Think about how it shifts the dynamic, even for you married folks in here. You know, you're, you're married to your spouse, and maybe you start seeing all their flaws. Stay married long enough, and you will. But I have news for you. You have them too. I had a dear friend who was, he told me, he said, Hans, I pray for my wife. And I said, God, change this woman. God, you got a chance. And my friend got up at 5 a.m. in the morning, spent three hours before the Lord every day of his life. I mean, he was a... And he said, finally, God spoke to him. You know what the Lord said? How about you change? How about you change? See, we could... You know, maybe God gave you your wife, your wife or your husband because you needed their strengths in your life. Maybe... They're strong where you're weak, and they're weak where you're strong. Or maybe you're so tight wound that you're going to run everybody off, and you need the grace that's in their lives. I don't know why I'm saying all this. I'm just. But within that marriage relationship, when things get tight, how about you open up the door to praise and worship? I'm serious. You open up the door in your life and you say, hey, let's pray together. Let's turn on some worship music. Let's change the atmosphere right now. Come on, let's let our house be filled with praise. Come on, stop the your cheating heart and I'm so lonesome I could cry. Get that out of your system and put some joy of the Holy Ghost in your house. Hallelujah. Put some music that's happy, some stuff that lifts your spirit. Oh, thank you, Lord. And when I lost my wife in 2020, there's a lot of Christian music I couldn't listen to. It got me so depressed, man. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and I was just like, I got to turn this stuff off. And I'd turn on some happy music. Hallelujah. Something where they're praising the Lord. Glory to God. Let it shift your house. Let it shift your situation. Maybe your kids are on your last nerve. And maybe you're trying, you know, we used to try to get our girls ready for church in the mornings. And it was kind of a difficult deal getting the whole house ready. We had to get there early and make sure everybody's in place. And, and then finally we just said, you know, we're going to change the situation. We're going to turn on worship music on Sunday mornings and let it fill the house. And I'm telling you, there was a significant difference. There was a significant difference in how that day flowed. 
Because if you just worship the Lord and get it going, hallelujah, let that praise fill your marriage. Let that praise fill your business. Maybe you say, well, you, I, I get so ticked off at my employees and the people I work with, I want to strangle somebody. Well, you're not going to strangle anybody in Jesus' name. Go to the bathroom, lock the stall, and start praying in the Holy Ghost. God, you've got to help me through this day. God, you've got to give me strength to make it right now. Hallelujah. Because you know what? The one that's giving you the biggest problem may be the one that God's working on the most. And it might be the person that your life convicts them because they know there's something different about you. And when they're around you, it puts them in an awkward place because they feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I don't know. I'm just preaching here, all right? You open the door. You let the praise come in. You start it up. I don't know if any of y'all partied when you were lost. But there's some like party starters. Like we can't get it on till he gets here. How about being that for the kingdom of God? It's like we're going to have church anyhow. Oh, here comes Tom. Woo, it's on now, man. <laughs> if, if nobody else is going to worship, he's going to worship God. Nobody else. Why don't you be that person? My good friend Doug Eccles, his dad pastored Assembly of God churches for 50 plus years and he said there was a lady that would come and sit on the front row and she was a real saint and sometimes they would get to worshiping and she'd just go, she'd start hollering. She'd just feel, feel herself. The Lord would get all over her. Finally, some of the deacons came to his pastor, his dad, the pastor, and said, we're going to have to do something about this lady. <laughs> and, and Doug said what they didn't know was that lady would go home and her husband was abusive to her. And every time she went to church, it was a problem. So the pastor said, I ain't touching her because you don't know what she's been through and what that praise is coming out of. This is the only place she can get free and get, 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 get free in the Lord. I'm going to let her have her way. Hallelujah. Come on, man. Why don't you be like that? I'm the one. This is the place I can worship him. Yeah, so, so we worship God all through our lives, right? In our jobs and in our families and our whole life should be a life of worship. But when we enter this building, it's a different element. Why? Because we've all been out there doing kingdom work all week. Whether you realize it or not. You've been representing Jesus. You've been talking to people. You've been praying. You've been living life. We're doing life. Then when you come here, it, it, it's the place that now we're going to celebrate. All of us coming together, living the Christian life for seven days, we're going to come in here and celebrate, and it's liable to get wild in here. Because a bunch of Holy Ghost people getting together, if one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Oh, hallelujah. And if one can praise Him, two surely can praise Him in an exponential manner. And if there's a single anointing, surely there's a corporate anointing that comes on us. And when we come in here, we start singing and praising, and you start getting encouraged, and your spirit gets lifted. That's why Paul said we're to edify one another. We build up one another, and we lift up each other in the faith, and we walk in here, and you can't stay sad for long. You can't stay mad for long. You can't stay depressed for long. Hallelujah. There's too much Holy Ghost in this room to stay in that state. Oh, hallelujah. It makes you want to dance and it makes you want to shout. It makes you want to jump up and run. It makes you want to smile. It makes you want to love somebody. Hallelujah. It makes you want to go tell somebody. Oh, give him praise. Hallelujah. I don't know, but I feel it right now moving in my body. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to give, it's like I can't give him enough praise. I can't tell him how much I love him enough. Come on, why don't you just give him praise for about 60 seconds here. Turn around and tell somebody, you better get on fire. Come on, tell them, you, you better get yourself on fire. All right, give me, give me a few more minutes here. Because I'm going to show you something, revelation, that you gotta, you got to get this in your spirit. Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16. Go to Macedonia. They cast out a demon of a slave girl who was a, uh, could tell the future by a demonic spirit. They cast it out of this girl. She could no longer tell the future. You better stop going to palm readers and witches and playing the Ouija board and looking for your horoscope. None of that is real. Well, so there's sometimes real to it because it's demonic. But none of it is God. Because all that they know, the devil does know your past. The devil can call out your past all day long, but he doesn't hold your future. Only God holds your future. Oh, hallelujah. And I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you get a prophetic word that doesn't line up to the, to the word. I had a friend who got a prophetic word. Somebody came up to him in church and said, you're going to be broke the rest of your life. He's like, no, I'm not. He said, I went down to the Chinese restaurant. And got a fortune cookie and opened it up, and it was a one in a million fortune cookie. He said, Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to, and he's very successful right now. It's a sad day when the Chinese restaurant gives a better prophetic word than some people in Pentecostal church. I'm sorry. Boy, what am I even saying? So Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. And in prison, they're thrown into like solitary confinement. And then their hands and feet are put in... Uh, feet. <laughs> Back to that phonics there. Their hands and feet are put in stocks. And then they're there. And you know, they could have they gone one of two ways. They could have said, look at this, man. Look at what God's done. I don't deserve this. I'm the apostle. Did you not see the capital A in front of my name? I got the business cards. I got my own website and everything. I am Apostle Paul. <laughs> He could have said that. God, what did you do? You called me to pray. No, no, but they didn't do that. It says about midnight, not 10 o'clock, not 10.30, not 11 o'clock, but about midnight, Paul and Silas began to pray and sing praises to God. They chose the other option. That is, I'm going to invite his presence right to come and sit down in my situation. And they said as they began to pray that all of a sudden that God sent an earthquake and shook the very foundations of that prison and every prisoner's bonds were loosed and all the doors flung wide open and everybody was set free. You know what this tells me? That when you begin to praise God, why don't you be the starter? If you begin to praise God, everybody else might get set free because maybe they're just waiting on somebody to stir it up. Maybe they're waiting on you to shout hallelujah. Maybe they're waiting on you to bring it in here. Hallelujah. You're not a religious person. Person does a religious person comes and looks at what's going to happen and judges everybody and everything they do but a Holy Ghost free person doesn't do that 
a Holy Ghost free person walks in and says, God, I'm here and I'm here to worship you and I'm going to give you all the praise while I got a chance. You gave me another day to live, Lord, and I'm going to give you thanks. Hallelujah. You brought me out of a devil's hell. You rescued me from too many situations to even mention. And God, I have a hope and I have a future because you're on my side. I'm called by your name. I'm washed in the blood. I'm sanctified by the Spirit. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm on my way to heaven. And God, if I don't give you praise, shame on me. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give him a shout. Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me. My God, I feel like preaching. Y'all just hang on. Hang on. Numbers 21. No, I'm going to show you something that blew me away. Numbers 21. The children of Israel are coming through the desert. And God tells it, God brings them to a place called Be'er, right? They went to Be'er, which is a well where the Lord had said to Moses, gather the people and I'll give them water. So they knew, we're here. This is the place where the Lord said, come. This is the place where the water is. So now we're going to get some water. And then the Lord, then it says, then Israel sang this song. They got there and they struck up the band. And here's what they sang. Spring up, oh well. All of you sing to it. Spring up, oh well. They didn't sing to the Lord. They didn't sing to each other. They sang to the well. Sometimes you got to sing over the dry places in your life. Sometimes you just got to sing over stuff and situations and circumstances. No, I'm going to give him praise. Hallelujah. I'm going to give him praise right now in the midst of this thing. I'm going to give him thanks. Hallelujah. He's going to make a way where there is no way. This thing's dead, but I'm going to sing life into it right now. Some of you need to be singing over your houses. You need to be singing over your kids. You need to be singing over them smoking automobiles you got. You need to be singing over your job. You need to be singing life and speaking life and stop speaking death and negativity. Start speaking life over yourself. Hallelujah. It's going to be all right. You're going to come out with Jesus leading you out. Oh, hallelujah. Then we get over into Zephaniah and he says in chapter 3, God sings over us. God says God sings over us. He says he will rejoice with gladness. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. I don't know how many of you mothers used to sing over your kids, but we used to do that. And the girl's mom would make up her own songs. And they're legendary in our family. And she would sing her own songs over them. And it was just like this. If, when a mom sings over her kids, it's something like different, man. Or a dad singing over the baby as he's carrying it. That baby's screaming to the high heavens. And they start singing. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Hallelujah. And we just start singing those songs. Can you imagine God doing that over us this morning? So if we could tune into the frequency of heaven and the radio station of heaven, maybe we would hear the angels. Maybe we would hear the seraphim going. But also we might be able to hear the voice of God from the other shore singing over me and you. It's going to be all right. Hallelujah. I've got a great calling. Maybe you can't see it right now, but you're getting ready to turn a corner if you won't give up. And I've got something waiting on you that's going to bless you like you've never been blessed before. Hallelujah. 
So we sing to Him and we sing over stuff and He sings to us and we sing over stuff and we sing to Him and He sings over us and it becomes this cycle of blessing and this cycle of worship. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Then we join in with the course of heaven and the church triumphant and now we are the church militant and we join with them in this constant praise cycle. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands right now and say, God, I just thank you right now. I give you praise. Thank you so much for listening today, watching with us, opening your heart to the Word of God. It's my highest honor to preach the Word. Our church exists to reach people like you. That's why we exist, to be able to communicate the gospel to the entire world. God has given us such an amazing outreach here to be able to do it this way through the internet and stuff. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. So I pray that God has touched you today, that God has ministered to you, and I want to pray for you right now. If you need to accept the Lord into your heart, give your life to Jesus, or if you need healing in your body or healing in your mind, I want to pray for you right now. Could you join with me? Come on, just make this declaration. Jesus, I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. I repent of all sin and I commit my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if you need healing, stretch out your hand. Father, for those who need a healing touch, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you heal them body and mind and touch them right now. We rebuke the disease and sickness that it's afflicting their body, and I pray for a complete wholeness. Come over them in the name of Jesus, and we give you thanks for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, give him praise right where you are. Thank God for everything he's done in your life. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. We love you guys, and it's a privilege to come to you.